0: Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy combos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. Is mom
1: okay? Is the baby okay? And then the next question is, what is the actual problem that we're dealing with? Because sometimes the problem is, is it's just taking a long time. Is it really a problem if mom's okay and baby's okay, right? So then you kind of get to, you know, talk that through with your provider and that's the key. you got to find a provider that respects you and is willing to have a conversation with you about that and not just shut you down.
0: Well, hello, Vibe High Babies. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Leah Burquist. And don't worry, we recorded this episode a few weeks ago in person, but now we are in the thick of social distancing due to our least favorite type of corona.
2: Which, social distancing, I mean, Shug, you've been kind of practicing for this for a bit, right?
0: Yes, not only with the general public, but uh, with you as well. With
2: me, I know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> different beds, different houses. Wait a minute, no. no Oh,
0: actually, in, uh, in some good news, we did celebrate our 14-year anniversary yesterday. It's
2: true. Happy anniversary.
0: Happy anniversary. Of our first date. Of our first date, yeah. yes. Yeah, next year, we celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. So that'll be a big one next year. But yes, 14 years together.
2: And you know, a quarantinable couple stays together, too, because we were actually quarantined before with the swine flu about 10 years ago. And that really tested our love for each other. And we actually had another roommate, and he wore a mask the entire time. But Katie and I both were sick at the same time on different floors of our townhouse. So if we can get through that together, we can get through this together too, Shug.
0: Yes. You know when you go to the bank and there is a glass partition between you and the teller? That's what I have constructed between Jason and I, but it's not for illness. It's just for keeping the relationship going. It's
2: like three <laughs> inches thick and bulletproof for whatever reason, even though we don't have firearms, uh, you you're, know.
0: You're not getting in or out. No. Basically. So. so earlier this week, I asked Jay to go to the grocery store to buy a decent amount of groceries so that we would have food because this is before some of the news broke that was more serious about like bars and restaurants closing. But I asked Jay to go and uh, he came back with some pretty interesting options that we wouldn't normally choose. And I was like...
2: pounds of garlic is not that interesting. Uh, uh,
0: uh, that, that's actually pretty normal. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but I was like, uh, why did you get this random edible... Birthday cake flavored cookie dough. When maybe we <laughs> need pasta.
2: Desperate times call for what, sugar?
0: <laughs> desperate measures.
2: That's right, desperate measures.
0: So uh, he was like, uh, "There's really nothing left at the store," and shows me a picture of the shelves at Whole Foods, and I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." So uh, we will sustain on this birthday cake cookie dough, which Gosh, I have it. now.
2: I have now eaten like ninety percent of it after swearing off sweets for the last month. But anyways.
0: Yeah, so uh, don't worry, we're safe here, we've hunkered down, we've got our cookie dough, and today we're excited to bring you our guest of the show, Leah Burquist, who is a mom of two. She's a certified doula and both a Bradley Method as well as an evidence-based birth instructor and self-proclaimed birth fanatic. So without further ado, let's welcome Leah to the show. So welcome, Leah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. So we actually have an intimate relationship because...
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about your vagina. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh,
0: Because Leah led a Bradley Method birth class that Jason and I were a part of. So that's how we met. And Leah is not only a childbirth educator, but she is also a doula yes. as well, who just actually came from a birth Correct. and is exhausted yes. right <laughs> now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, like double time intensity on that. So yeah. want to get a little bit of background on where you grew up, okay. what led you to the work that you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, where I grew up. I grew up all over the United States. Um, Yes, my dad was a geologist, so we would move every like six to nine months, so I lived all over. But we kind of settled into Arkansas, which sounds Mm. like, oh, yeah. And then conveniently, my mother um, got into midwifery, kind of lay midwifery. (laughs) I was born via C-section in the 70s. And um, she was told when I was born that after I was born that she shouldn't have any more children. Her body was too small. Her body doesn't birth babies, And just kind of don't try that again, unless you want to schedule your C-section, pretty much, Mm -hmm. right? And she, the C-section was traumatic for her. Um, She was in labor, I was posterior, which means I was turned around, sunny side up, and uh, she labored for 36 hours, and then uh, unmedicated, and then it ended in C-section. And at the time, they were doing the classical cut, where they cut from the pubic bone to the top of the yeah
0: yes my mom had a c-section oh, really? as well same i was cut. my sister and i were both c-sections oh. and it was that same you like, know what that looks like like you know top of the vag yeah. all the way up almost to the sternum oh my yeah goodness. yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it's not quite to the sternum yes but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it looks, it looks like it yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, so traumatic for, so she, so she went 10 years and then she, um, met a midwife in Arkansas who, um, said, you know, Hey, you can totally do this, um, again and you can do it vaginally. And that was like unheard of. And so she encouraged her to try a VBAC, a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, and, um, and I didn't realize by the way, how impactful this was for me, you know, right? Then, right. clearly no. now, I'm like, no. whoa, isn't that wild? So uh, no doctors wanted to deliver her next baby vaginally just was like no way you'll die your uterus will split open all all these horrible things and my mother just really felt um in her instincts that that wasn't going to happen and so um she couldn't find a doctor to deliver her baby so she had planned her home birth so she had a home birth after cesarean and that was the first birth i was ever no so it wasn't the first birth i was at they took me to some births before then to kind of prime me And get me ready. How old were you? I was ten.
0: Okay, so you were aware enough.
1: Oh yeah. You were
0: like, What the Yeah, Yeah. oh yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: They were like and they were saying, We're gonna have this baby at home and I remember hearing this and you know, I don't know if you remember what it's like to be ten, but you you're a child but You're, you can still formulate opinions. And I was thinking, well, if your doctor said you would die, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> That's how I felt, you know? Yeah. And, um, but you know, they, they just said, Hey, we've educated ourselves and we feel really good and we feel confident and, um, this is what we're gonna do. So, you know, you'll be there if you want to be there and, and here's how we're willing to prepare you. And so I remember my, my mom's midwife showed me a placenta for the first time in a public bathroom in a park she was like hey hey, look what i have whoa wait so so she found it there (laughs) Right. She had been at a birth and like, oh, okay. she was like, I don't know. I don't know how they worked it out, why it was there versus at someone's house. But I just remember just being in the ba- at the park and like we went in the bathroom and she like pulls out this. I mean, talk about hazard, biohazard. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Arkansas. I, was just no, just, I didn't <laughs> want to say that, but yes. That's... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, so that was my first sort of experience with that. And then, and then I was at my mom's birth and um, with my sister. And it was just so easy it was so just uneventful. And like, and what was the, what was the issue doc? You know, what were you so terrified of? Yeah.
0: You were waiting for this big moment and you're like, okay, now a baby's here. My little sibling's here and there is no big moment.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 So, so she had that baby, had another one four years later, was at that birth too. And, um, and then a birth just, you know, wasn't a component in my life until I got pregnant. Right. Right. And then my mom said, Hey, did you take your Bradley class? And so I did, and that was kind of how Bradley got introduced in my life. That was 1998, had that baby unmedicated. And then I got pregnant again in 2008 and um, was planning a hospital birth. And then I went to my OB and I said, hey, can I uh, d- deliver on my hands and knees this time? Last time I did on my back, it was my choice. No one forced me to do that, but I don't think I want to do that again. I want to be on hands and knees, something forward leaning. And she just was like... Basically, laughed at me. She was like, Well, I don't know how to catch a baby if you're on your hands and knees, so probably not.
0: Catch it because <laughs> it's coming through at like 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Right. It's going to be a fastball <laughs> there. Yeah. Right. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, I couldn't even wrap my head around like what she was saying. I, I was just so perplexed. And I, I left there and I was just so, I felt so dejected, like, and, and, and a little insulted because she was kind of condescending about it. And my husband at the time said, You know, maybe we should just do this at home you mean it, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. that was it. And so then, yeah, so that's kind of, so then I was like, okay, people need to know about this. You know? Yeah. So
0: let's talk about Bradley method. Yeah. What that is, what that <laughs> means, because you mentioned yeah. that you attended those classes Bradley prior class. while you were pregnant and now yeah. you are a Bradley method educator
1: right okay so the Bradley method is um, technically it's husband coach childbirth and I use the word husband tenderly because not everybody has a husband and you don't have to have a husband I didn't have a husband the first time we were not married we were just boyfriend and girlfriend um, and then people can have same-sex partners and you know just whatever I mean, it might be a whole family of people and nobody's you know legally bound um, whatever, it's coach childbirth basically, and um, it's a twelve-week course. As you guys remember, mm-hmm. did that feel long when you were <laughs> signing up?
0: Twelve seconds felt long while I was pregnant. So <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we only missed like five of them.
2: So. <laughs> Stop. <Right. laughs> <laughs> we like, wait a minute. Oh.
1: So yeah, so it's 12 weeks, um, typically each class itself is like two to two and a half hours long. I make mine two hours because I feel like yeah, two and a half hours sitting for, still for a class is outrageous. And it's all about um, teaching the partner and the, and the pregnant person about pregnancy, um, moving through labor, what that looks like, the physics, the physiology, the anatomy, and then heavy on the advocacy. Or that's how I make mine anyway. Mm. You know, we talk about nutrition, exercise, breastfeeding. Um, We talk about um, making a birth plan. I like to call it labor preferences. Um, And then questions to ask to give informed consent. And that's, I think, the big component that's missing in a lot of childbirth education classes. How old is the Bradley Method? So, okay, so Dr. Bradley started his practice in the 50s, mm, right. and then it wasn't sort of like coined as the Bradley Method and then marketed as such until the 60s. Okay. But it's been around since the 60s. So my parents took the Bradley Method with my, my sisters, mm. um, and then... Um, actually, my parents' story is pretty cool. I mean, I think it's super cool, and they, it's, it's written about and published in a book called The, Vag- the Vaginal Birth After Cesarean Experience. And um, they talk about how uneducated they were at the first birth, mine. And then, and they talk about like, "Whoa, we could have done more."
0: You're like, "Thanks for yeah. making me the guinea pig." <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right,
1: right, right. I, I actually don't feel bad. You know, I feel like, wow, it's amazing how that came to be and how it almost needed to happen, right?
0: I want to talk about Bradley, but I also want to talk about some of the other birth classes that mm-hmm. are out there mm-hmm. because I know that when I was searching mm-hmm. as an expecting mom. I didn't necessarily know what Bradley was, mm-hmm. but I knew that I wanted to pursue more of a natural birth or informed birth because right, right. I had not had a lot of experience around people giving birth. Right, right. And I felt like, okay, I need to be heavily educated. You can go online and research and look up as much as you want, mm-hmm. but there's, just such so an influx much. of information. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard to decipher what is accurate or what applies to you, or right, you right. Know, oh what, yeah. what sort of connects
1: with you? So, what are some of the other classes? Okay, that are out there yeah. or available? Let's see. Well, first of all, there's Lamaze. Everybody's heard of Lamaze, right? Lamaze is not really a locked in like. Um, it's kind of just. Uh, God, how do I describe Lamaze? Um, they definitely understand childbirth education. They understand the process. They understand um, that you know we all need to advocate for ourselves. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice rounded overall picture. <clears throat> I personally don't feel like it digs in too deep with some of the things like positioning of baby and exercises when you're pregnant and nutrition, which builds a foundation, right? Um, you can. Learn all day long about how to relax during childbirth or how to meditate. Okay, but if you walk in and your baby's breech, well, oh well, <laughs> there goes that. Yeah. Uh, for some people, I shouldn't say that. It's not across the board. You don't have to deliver via C-section with breech. But for most people, um, so there's Lamaze. There's um, another. Of course, everyone wants to talk about hypno, right? There's hypno. I haven't heard of hypno. No. no okay. Me neither. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Educate so, us. So there's hypno birthing which um, is usually like a six-week class. Um, I'm not a hypno-certified teacher, so I'm not going to, you know, I can't really go too much into it, but um, definitely it's six weeks typically. Um, they talk about nutrition, a little bit of exercise, and then how to hypno-birth, which is, you know, how, like Bradley uses relaxation. That's kind of the cornerstone of Bradley. Um, they teach you how to hypnotize yourself so that you can sort of like move through those contractions without, I think, They say without, you know, feeling pain. I don't, honestly, I should have, you know, looked up. But anyway, um, I'm not down for that because you have to be able to advocate for yourself. You know, you still have to.
2: Last time I checked, it's hard to advocate yourself when you're under hypnosis. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you like lose that sort of ability.
1: Yeah. Again, I think if you have a textbook labor and everything's going great, I think it's an amazing form of pain management. Um, But not everybody's going to have that beautiful you know, just streamlined birth. So that's when I think you need a little bit more education. It goes beyond that. Right. All right. The what ifs. Yeah. And there's a lot of those, especially if you're laboring in a hospital, you know, if you're planning a home birth and you're doing some good foundational work to make sure your baby's positioning well with like something like spinning babies is like my new, I love it. I love what they talk about. They talk about, um, just mom's just anatomy and how all of the, um, all of the uh, the skeletal structure and the muscular structure affects the position of baby and how can we move our body to affect that in a positive way, it's just, it's phenomenal. What is Spinning Babies? Yeah, so, so spinningbabies.com, it's, okay. uh, um, okay. the woman came up with it. I mean, honestly, I should know the history, but I mean, it's been a long time, I like think 70s, 80s, something like this, um, I believe her name's Gail, and um, yeah, they just teach all this amazing information about your body and how your baby fits inside your body and you want to max. You know, you want to um, find the ideal positioning for baby, so baby can just kind of basically like slide out. You know, right? Find that path of least resistance. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 That's what we want, right? Yeah. Exit yeah. Not strategically. <laughs> a lot of yeah. Exit stage left. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, so that and they they're great because they are now infiltrating sort of the hospital environment and teaching to uh, nurses, and then when your labor and delivery nurses learn about this. It's a dream. Now we're all working together, you know? So there's spinning babies. Um, There's also evidence-based birth. I recently got my evidence-based birth instructorship. And um, Rebecca Decker, um, Dr. Rebecca Decker, I like to call her that, um, she started that. Uh, She has amazing resources. She's gone through every study. She looks at everything and talks and then kind of gives an analysis. Is she an OB? She's an RN. Okay. Yeah. And um, she's got a great history, of how she kind of came to be. And when I first started teaching Bradley, um, there wasn't a lot of information on the internet about birth, you know, that kind of aligned with Bradley, what I felt was important. Um, but she had a lot of great stuff. So I used to look at her stuff a lot. So it, there's a lot of things. But hypno is a, is a real big one. I don't mind it. Um, I just definitely think you need more. A first time parent needs more hundred percent, you know, and, and I don't know that they, uh, I, I can't speak to it across the board, but you know, and overgeneralize, but I don't know that they pull in the partner as much as Bradley does. You know?
0: That's what I liked because, you know, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what I liked about Bradley. is like, we're in this together mm-hmm. and I had no idea what to expect mm-hmm. when the process began. I mean, you think you have an idea, mm-hmm. but you really have no idea what to expect, yeah. but knowing that you have a educated partner by your side mm-hmm. to help with the process. Mm-hmm. Who
1: understands the process. Mm-hmm. and
2: I felt like I had a wealth of knowledge that even, you know, when everything's as intense as it can be in that room... I felt like I was prepared and armed with so much information that I could really know what I was doing and the best way to help you at the time, you know. And I don't know if I did that at the time. Did he do it? I mean, I I I did have to leave to go to the bathroom once and she reminded me about that, but I was like, I can't hold my pee for 15 hours. You
1: gotta take her with you. That's okay. She
2: was not moving towards that
0: direction. Yeah, he had to use the restroom at one point and I think I was like gripping his arm so hard and and he had to get up to go, and I was like, Where are you?
2: The I had been holding you know? it already for four to five hours, right? So. The bathroom was also
0: connected, <laughs> so it's like literally I could have just turned my head to see him, but yeah. I was just like, yeah. ah.
1: That's yeah. exactly it. Like, it's yeah. huge how it affects you, right? Yes. That's how important the partner is, yes. Yeah, I, would... but I was there
2: for 99.2% of the time, <laughs> and I had the water there, I was ready, I had the backpats, I had the you know, wherever you needed to be rubbed, I was rubbing. Yes. So I was in it to win it. So yeah. So it was great, though. I felt good about it.
0: I want to talk about some of the aspects of the partner being informed Mm -hmm. and the pregnant individual being informed, Mm -hmm. and just yeah,
1: talk a little bit about that. Oh man. Uh, Well, first of all, I mean, I guess I immediately think of just fear, right? Most people have um, a little bit of fear when they are pregnant and the belly starts getting larger, and they realize, oh this big thing has to come out of that little tiny hole. <laughs> and you start analyzing the physics of that, you know, and the practicality of it. And so the education, of course, hopefully breaks some of that fear. We break down how that's possible, mm-hmm. you know, how everything's going to, well, the baby's going to compress and the badge is going to open. And um, I think that's just the start, right? So we can eliminate some of that fear. And then that that's like, I guess it's, again, foundational basics. Um, and then I think, it, I think it eliminates some of the fears for... The coach, um, oh, yeah. I love watching the nonverbals happen in class. So in the first class, the moms are all sitting up straight and excited, eyes wide, and <laughs> they're so stoked. And the dads are like, "Oh man!" Like you can just see it. Like they're like trying to be polite, but they're like, "I can't believe I'm fucking here." <laughs> <laughs> right? No way, yeah. that wasn't me. I was
2: extremely <laughs> excited and
1: stoked to be there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, certainly there are. I've got I've had before where like the dads are dragging the mom in. You know, it certainly could tw- mm-hmm. turn around, but. Um, Yeah, so, but then by the end of the class, the moms are more like, oh God, this is getting real. And the dads are just chill and they're like, we got this, babe. Babe, it's going to be great. And doesn't that feel good as a person who's going to give birth? Yeah, like, like,
0: okay, the person that's in my corner, it has complete confidence in the
1: process confidence although she fear. didn't trust
2: my note taking abilities she took notes even <laughs> though I was taking notes she's yeah. like hold on let me let me take care of this so I, had, I was like well I got I'm like alright yeah.
1: yeah but it just but even besides the, like the note taking and all the homework we do and stuff and the reading like I feel like I hope uh, what I try to achieve is just this woven tapestry that just kind of comes together when you're in it and you're like oh I had this and this and this mm-hmm. and then you're in it and you're like oh now I see where that goes that's
2: exactly what it was yeah right? I felt like I was bombarded with so much information that like when i needed it i was just thinking back to everything all in that heated moments that heated moments all instinct yes so, like, you pull from those parts of your brain that you know
1: yeah and if you can you erase know. that fear the initial fear of course we all have you know we get we can't be stupid i mean there's risk in childbirth um, but we get rid of some of the irrational sort of like you know just Fears that come out of just blanket blanket ignorance because mm. people don't know what a cervix is or whatever. Mm.
0: I think that there's also <laughs> a spectrum of people who feel as if people give birth every day. Mm-hmm. So they just think like, okay, well, this happens every day. There, it's no yeah. big deal. Yeah, That's so you just true. You go to the hospital they, and just, bing, bang, boom. Right, and they don't understand yeah. some of the language or the ability that yeah. you have to advocate mm-hmm. for yourself and what may feel good or not feel good. And I want to talk about some of the differences between being a doula, a midwife, Mm -hmm. a nurse, an OB, and maybe not just the credentials, Mm -hmm. but almost the thought process Mm -hmm. as well. Okay. Between. Okay. Yeah. So I can
1: talk about that. But of course, I'm just coming from the standpoint of just, I'm just a doula, (laughs) not a doctor. Um, yeah. So a doula is a labor support professional that works. This is the, the doula typically works with the client um, throughout their pregnancy, depending on, you know, when the mom start, you know, hires them, it could be from the very beginning. I've had people call me they're like, I'm six weeks pregnant. Let's give it six more weeks. Call me back. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, you get, you build a relationship with these people, you know, them on a personal level, you understand their, their goals and you really get to know like their, their fears and what's driving them. And, um, I think that's really important. Like you start, you really know that person. All right, um, and then that person, of course, hopefully is specializes in labor and can help mom move through her labor in the way that she wants to. Um, and they're literally just, they're not they are not clinicians. A doula is just someone who's there to provide emotional support, physical support, education, remind them of their birth preferences, help with advocacy, right? We don't do, like, blood pressure, anything like that. Um, a nurse, a labor and delivery nurse, is there to, um, of course, take care of you if there's any sort of... Um, uh, medical anything going on right if you choose to give birth in a hospital they're going to be there to provide advocate for you as well to provide support um to you know check your cervix if that's what you want to um you know do all the clinical things check your blood blood pressure all this um if that person isn't educated in normal natural natural meaning unmedicated physiologic birth, sometimes that's where we have a little bit of a hang up. And they see a lot of medicated deliveries. And they also see a broader spectrum of births than a doula would. So the likelihood that they're going to see sort of the worst of the worst is higher as well. So I think that they're coming to the table with that on their shoulder at some level. Um, and then an obstetrician is a doctor and it's also, um, you know, specializes in other things besides labor. And usually, I should say, they don't, usually don't specialize in labor, but more delivery. Um, they aren't usually trying to manipulate the position of your baby and they want to make sure your baby's head down, but they haven't really thought about what happens when the baby is direct OP at 39 and a half weeks and, you know, what does that mean <clears throat> for the, the labor and how's it going to end up going? Or how can we affect it in a positive way so that it goes in a vaginal direction um and the issue with an obstetrician attending birth normal natural birth is that they kind of are hitting us taking a sledgehammer to something that just needs maybe nothing or a flyswatter (laughs) right Um, and a lot of countries don't even invite obstetricians into the birth space unless there is a true complication um, that's a big deal. You know, the fact that in the United States, we just automatically, again, like you're, you're saying, people just think, oh, I just go to a hospital and give birth. They just, oh, I'm pregnant. Let me find an OB or let me just switch from my gynecologist to my, as my OB and no thoughts about what that person, what that obstetrician's philosophy is about birth and what their C-section rate is and just all the basics. A midwife, um, is just like an obstetrician. She's not a surgeon though. So she pr- can provide gynecological care. She um, cares for you, does all your prenatal care throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, but if there was um, a, a complication that n- required instrument delivery, like uh, vacuum extraction or um, forceps, something like that, that's not for her to do and um, and clearly not a, a C-section. So then <clears throat> that's when somebody would need an obstetrician. And many times
0: a midwife is a choice that someone would make when they're considered a low risk or no risk birth. Correct. Where so. an obstetrician, if you have high risk attributes about your birth, maybe you have high blood pressure, you maybe you have epilepsy, mm. you may not have the choice to work with. Right. And, and it
1: kind of varies state to state. Um, and then everyone kind of also can vary on what's high risk. There's no no risk. There's just inherent risk in childbirth, but there's low risk and there's high risk. Things like high risk, like, oh, you're over 35. That may be, <laughs> someone may consider that high risk, but most midwives are not considering it high risk. And there's no law that says a person who's over 35 can't deliver at home or out of hospital with a midwife. Then you, yeah, you have high risk, like someone has gestational diabetes. It's a different story. Like in class, we can't teach the obstetrics journal, so we don't get into all of those, but we definitely encourage people to really ask the questions and is this true high risk? You know, I'm anemic. Am I high risk? Can I still deliver out of hospital? You know, again, asking those questions and kind of pushing the envelope. That's how we make change.
0: A tenant or a major tenant of Bradley is understanding your options and advocating Mm -hmm. for yourself. When you have a client who is educated, understands how to advocate for themselves, maybe they want to have a natural birth, Mm-hmm. and they're in a hospital, what are some of the knowledge points that they have so that when questions come in, mm-hmm. they are educated and say, actually, maybe I'll decline a cervical mm-hmm. exam or I'll decline mm-hmm. this aspect of care.
1: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully in the class we've taught sort of what normality looks like. What does a normal um, labor, progressing labor look like? What is normal normal... Um, gestation look like and if we know they have an umbrella of normality okay um then and then if if there's then and then you deviate and you have some sort of variation and maybe it's encroaching on complication you you know how far you are from what was normal right and now interventions begin to get offered so, yeah, we really encourage you to ask the questions. And the first question is always, is mom okay? And I feel like like people, like, everyone should be taught this in high school. <laughs> you know? Like, how do we, how do I ask the questions to get educated answers so that I can make a decision, right? Clearly not everybody should be making these decisions. You've got people who have not opened a book ever. I mean, you know. <laughs> you know they just hey dude you know what just don't think for yourself we got you <laughs> okay right, right. but most of us aren't like that you know, most of us are thinking you know normal humans and we've gone to some level of school I think if anyone goes to high school and now you're pregnant we can allow you if we're gonna allow you to have a baby can't we allow you to ask questions and get information and make a decision for yourself
0: that's like a whole <laughs> another level of gnarliness yeah like
1: I need, you know, like think
0: about somebody in high school, you need permission to use the restroom to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you need permission to drive. You need yeah, permission yeah. to...
1: But now you're pregnant and you're going to have a human. Yeah. yeah. Like right. no permission right.
0: needed. Just like... Oh yeah. that's. I remember a- when I was pregnant, like, is there somebody that's going to like give me the the okay? Like, okay,
1: <laughs> all right. You've passed. Yeah, you're yeah. allowed to have a child. You can, yeah. You can leave the hospital with this person. Yeah. So assuming the people are, you know, analytical and they can think for themselves is mom okay? You got to know that. Is the baby okay? You know? And then the next question is, what is the actual problem that we're dealing with? Because sometimes the problem is at most of the time, honestly, it's just taking a long time. Is that really a problem? Is it really a problem if mom's okay and baby's okay? Right? So then you kind of get to you know, talk that through with your provider. And that's the key. You've got to find a provider that is, respects you and is willing to have a conversation with you. About that, and not just shut you down. And I saw both of those different kinds of providers in this birth I just came from, so mm. it was just I literally saw two two outliers, right? One who literally shouted at the mom, and the other doctor who stood there. And I've never witnessed this before, but he explained to the parents the risks of C-section. And I've never seen a doctor mm. in a birth actually do that, so I was really impressed. All right, <laughs> there are
0: definitely roadblocks that can come up. And I, I mean, I haven't experienced it myself, but I understand where if there's a roadblock and your OB is recommending a certain direction because either they have a timeline that they're working with, Uh like, Hey, standard processes. If you've been pushing for this long after this point, we recommend a Mm C-section. But like you're saying, if, the patient's okay. Mm-hmm. And if the baby's okay, if mom yeah. and baby are okay, yeah. there's no need and to if you're direction. And if
1: you're down for doing more, hey, that's up to you, man. I'm just getting
0: started. I got my protein shake. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is how a warm you, up. How long did you push? Four hours. Oh, girl. But it was a natural, <sighs> it was a natural birth. Yeah, four hours. Nice. Yeah. Four
1: hours. It's a long four hours. Yeah. It is. It was a long four hours. That's good. And you beat the odds because some doctors have that. Hey, you push for two hours, you're done. And if
0: you don't ask those questions, well, I did a birth center. Okay, right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes, with yeah. midwife group. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, and then let me just quickly say too, there's 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 certified midwives and there's there's um, nurse midwives. So like Kaiser Permanente is a health system that has nurse midwives. They are trained differently than like well, and Europe Beach Cities. Yes. So, BJ is a certified nurse midwife, and then there are uh, licensed midwives or certified midwives that um, practice on their own. So there is a diff- there's a distinction even between them, you know. Anyway,
0: yeah, the level of education <clears throat> that they have.
1: Well, who certifies them and who oversees them, and sort of like who they're obligated to is kind of what I think about.
0: Mm. All right. So something else I want to talk about is when somebody says I would like to choose a natural birth, Mm -hmm. what that looks like in a hospital setting, what that means for them. And then Mm. when they have just like a typical standard medicated birth.
1: Yeah. So if you're going into a hospital and you want to deliver unmedicated, that that's really rare for them. They, they, they say that only about 10% of medical professionals have ever seen a woman completely labor and then deliver unmedicated. So their experience with it is pretty, you know, minimal and it's foreign for them.
0: Do you think that's because of certain timelines that they have and they oh. eventually progress the patient on to exactly yeah okay.
1: yeah right exactly because they're like why is this taking so long or you know she's really struggling with this this discomfort and they may record they may say you know we have epidural and maybe you remember but you can be in that space laboring and you're vulnerable and someone suggests something that could sort of save you from this usually you're gonna- i begged I yeah like I, I begged them <laughs> I literally
0: begged them. I was like, take me to a hospital. Like, get me an uh-huh. epidural. They were like, you've worked so hard to get here. No. You do not want to do this. And I was like, take me now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you don't, yeah. and you
1: don't, you're, you're happy that it ha- it ended up the way that it did. Right. 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 But in that moment... Yeah. So if someone would have walked in and said, "Hey babe, I got you." <laughs> if somebody would have just <laughs> taken a shot of like morphine and
0: stabbed it in my leg, I would have been like, "This is amazing. Thank you. Shot at Jack Daniels." Yeah. yeah
1: oh, exactly. absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if again, without a coach that's there. I mean, you set yourself up to be in an environment where you didn't have the option, which is right. a smart thing to do if that's what you really want. Um, not everybody has the luxury of going to the birth center. Um, but yeah, if you have a partner there, then, you know, you can kind of like affect you know, who's making suggestions. Um, but yeah, so if you're, it, it, there is definitely, and I hate to say it like this, but I, 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 there's a certain amount of battling that you have to do if you're going to deliver unmedicated in a hospital. It's just the way it goes, you know? We always tell everyone, stay at home as long as possible. They tell you to stay at home as long as, pos- as possible. And they do that because they don't know how to keep their hands off of you. You know, if you show up just because you're going to feel comfortable there, they're kind of like, well, I don't know what to do with you. You know, if you don't want me to touch yeah, you, yeah, I
0: mean, they're medical <clears> providers, <throat> they don't want to see you uncomfortable if you yeah. are there in pain, right? They want to try to help you, and the process is,
1: is foreign to them, they they can't perceive how this is going to work out, and it's a little frightening, you know. So, yeah, and then if, and then if, but if you're going to medicate and you're going to take an epidural, you you know, you you go in and you're kind of the good patient, nothing wrong with that if that's your choice. Um, but they they got you, they've got you, you know, they're going to just do their thing. I mean, unfortunately, what we found is that. 32% of those births end up in C-section.
0: And that's in the United States. That's in the United
1: States. And it's higher in some countries, you know, other countries. Um, I mean, I know that uh, for a long time, there were parts of Southern California that had like a 40 to 60% C-section rate. And do you think that's because some women want to have a C-section? Right. That's definitely a contributing factor. Yeah. And you've got your high-risk people that are now going to have to schedule C-section, um, right? Which is Which is why it comes back to, you know, education- and just really, what can I do with my diet and my exercise? And there's nothing crazy, right? What was it? A couple of instructions, you know? To yeah, keep it was your... pretty straightforward. Yeah, it was. To... It was
0: a sort of an easy process to follow with Bradley.
1: Yeah, versus doing nothing, right? Um, so people, people do nothing. They don't, they just, they believe this whole, oh, well, baby gets the baby needs, So I don't need to affect my diet. And I'm craving Kentucky fried chicken, um, again today. So I'm gonna have it for the third time. I'm speaking of myself, um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know, <laughs> and not working towards the, you know, just, uh, getting a better diet so that you don't end up gestational diabetes. You don't end up with, um, preeclampsia, stuff like that.
0: With the Bradley method also, I know there are a couple aspects of it that are cornerstones mm-hmm. to the program. Mm-hmm. For example, the nutrition piece, mm-hmm. the exercise piece, mm-hmm. the coaching piece, mm-hmm.
1: and then are there a- And then relaxation. relaxation, like practicing the relaxation, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the thing. You relax and then he does, you build the foundation for your nutrition and your ex- with your exercise and then you relax during labor and then you got everything else. The coach. Mm-hmm. What
0: I liked about the nutrition piece was it was pretty straightforward. One of the main takeaways was 100 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. 80, a 80
1: to 100. Yeah, I to like that. I like that 100 stuck with you. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: <laughs> round, round round Not that eighty. Not the safety number, net of 100.
1: Yeah, like okay,
0: try to aim for at least 100. Yeah. And the idea behind that was if you're able to consume that much protein, your body will be strong enough mm-hmm. when the time comes. You're you're prepping and creating building blocks for when baby's ready so that you have the strength to go ahead and, you know, go through that process and get baby out. But another aspect that I like that you shared was as long as you're eating healthy, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how much weight you gain if you're healthy.
1: Right. I mean, if you're, yeah, right. You know, everyone starts, and everyone's starting point is different, right?
0: Right. Like, so it's not a universal, like, okay, you can, if you're, if you gain 26 pounds, that's unhealthy because 25
1: pounds is all that's considered healthy. Yeah, but if you started at 93 pounds, dude, you gotta, like, you know, I remember, um, so with my first one, I was 95 pounds when I first got pregnant. I, I, admittedly, I was malnourished. You know, it was the Kentucky Fried Chicken and the Goldschlager, actually. We were really boozers. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter was conceived sounds, on vodka. And... It sounds it a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Good, good times. Um, and my body just needed more. Like I, I, you know, when they told me to gain 25 pounds and I called my mom and I was like, oh my God, she told me to gain, you know, I could gain 25 pounds. I was like thinking, that's a lot of weight, you know. And I'm five feet tall, that's a, it's a pound a foot, a foot basically. Mm-hmm. Five, five pounds a foot, right? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like, I can't put five pounds on my ankles. And um, my mom just, she just gasped and she was like, oh, that's terrible. I thought we were on the same page. And she goes, you can't build a baby off 25 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you so I need to gain more, and I ended up gaining like what did I gain? Like sixty pounds, you know. And I mean, and I did do Bradley, so it did come off pretty well. I was young too, but you know, I it was, it was you know, it sounds like a lot on the outset, but when you start off, it can under. it
0: can be like a complete mind fuck. honestly, oh, when oh, you absolutely. gain that much weight, I
1: but was you, used to being a rail my whole life, and now you're talking about fucking sixty pounds.
0: <laughs> and it's, it's overwhelming how quickly you do put the weight on. Mm-hmm. I think so many people that go through the birth process are just told like, you should be grateful. You're healthy. Your baby's healthy. Oh. But it's like, I, I can also be uncomfortable and unused to this new body. Oh, hundred percent. But to hear like, it's okay that mm-hmm. you're gaining weight. Like this is okay. This is healthy. This mm-hmm. is part of it. Do not stress about that. Mm-hmm. You will lose the weight. But back to just, what you said, yes. if you're doing it in a healthy way. If you're doing it in a healthy way. Right. If you're eating in a healthy way for your body and also hitting that protein number mm-hmm. as well. KFC has grilled chicken now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I no gravy on those mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I peeled the skin off. Yeah, <laughs> the Fried chicken. chicken. Like, yeah, you're, you're and, I'll, and I'll skip the parfait. Yeah, no parfait. <laughs> there's just a level of, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just as a woman thinking like, okay, I'm going to gain all of this weight. Mm -hmm. And is there a certain number that's okay? Mm -hmm. Or is there a certain number that I should stay away from? I just remember when you said that, like it just gave me a relief, like, Mm. okay, like it doesn't really matter. And the midwife group that I was with Mm -hmm. never said to me like, oh, oh. you're, you know, (laughs) you're packing them on today. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they were like, Mm -hmm. they would check every time I went in for a check. I'm like, okay, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. You you know, you look good. How do you feel? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And how do you feel? That's a big question that sometimes people don't ask. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you, the reassurance of Mm -hmm. like, okay, you're on the right
1: track. Are you feeling okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought it up. I mean, I don't focus on weight gain in the class, right? We don't really talk about, we just kind of, I mention it. We talk about eating the protein. Um, Dr. Brewer, who's who studied and came up with the 80 to 100 grams, he says the average weight gain will be 35 pounds. So it's 10 over what the medical, uh, you know, most medical people say. Um, but yeah, when you're eating all that protein, you don't have time. You don't have the space or the energy or the time for the Oreos, you know, and all the things that maybe your body naturally... Or not, I should say naturally, but like... Naturally for Katie. And me, I love Oreos. I'll eat <laughs> yeah, I was like... <laughs> the whole box. But if you're consciously sitting in the space like, okay, I'm trying to build a, big, a good baby. I really want to deliver vaginally. Like the Oreos can wait nine months. I will eat all of those after I have this baby. You know, you have that motivation. Um, and, you, and you hit... I would always tell myself, okay, if I hit the 80 grams of protein, I can, I can eat whatever I want after that. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I'm stuffed. Yes. Like I don't want to think about food. You know, that's really where I was at. Like, I don't want to think about food again. Um, And I wasn't a big eater. I am now but I wasn't then <laughs> I have learned the joys of eating <laughs> definitely but but you know then I spent most of my life as a as a, as a slender person and yeah so talk about mindfuck, yeah to, to pack that on and sure and every morning when I would wake up I would check for stretch marks and then I'll, I'll never forget the day I looked and I saw stretch marks on my belly and they went from they end up going from my pubic bone all the way up at there over my belly button because I I made it with an ogre. And he's enormous. Um, <laughs> baby got as big as my body could handle. But um, I definitely, you know, my body had never stretched at that point. Got all these stretch marks. And I mean, I mourned that. And I mean, it took me years to get over those stretch marks, honestly. Years. Like maybe 15 or 20. Well, it's a little bit of a. <laughs> Positive aspect of the
0: social world we live in today where people do are more positively of it. talk about it and wear oh, it as yeah. a badge of honor.
1: That's true. Yeah, this was 1998 and nobody talked about their stretch marks. I didn't even know that was a possibility that they could go that far and that they don't go away. I didn't know that they didn't go away. You're like, wait, Post baby
0: body means like, okay, uh, these are, these are going to go to, right?
1: (laughs) That's what I really thought. Yeah. My mom didn't have them. So I thought, well, they must just go away. I didn't know then that you get them from a parent and my dad had them. Thanks dad. Thanks dad. Speaking
0: of post baby, Mm -hmm. also an aspect of Bradley is talking about Ah. quote unquote fourth trimester when baby actually has arrived. So talk a little bit about that aspect.
1: Oh man. Okay. So this is what I always tell everybody. First of all, I mean, well, when I'm teaching the class and I bring up, okay, let's talk about postpartum and I start talking about, hey, here's here's what you need to do, here's how it's gonna be. <clears throat> people have a visceral reaction. I can see it on their face. They're like, Don't sit here and tell me how shitty this is gonna be. <laughs> you know? Or they kind of just glaze over like, that's not, you know, whatever, I'll get there when I get there. I try to prepare people. You can't prepare anyone for this shit. No, <laughs> no. <shit. laughs> no, Um, everyone's experience is different, of course, but I think on the whole, I mean, when you're talking about adding a whole new human to your home that is hundred percent helpless yet 100% in control, right? I mean, they're running the show. If you're a responsible person and you respect this person, it's helpless. They run the show, man. Right? So it's, it is difficult. Um, and that wears you out. Um, and I mean, I personally do not believe in sleep training. A hundred percent I don't. And uh, I, have, I feel that way for a couple of reasons. The number one reason is because I sleep trained my first. It was called ferberizing back then. And I ferberized her and I can hardly say it without crying. And I regret it. I, I'll never forget the days that I did it. I regret it, regret it. And I have a different relationship with her than I have my other one that I didn't sleep train. Of course, they're different people. I was a different person raising them, but I, I just think there's something there. So I don't believe in sleep training, um, and babies within the first, uh, three months, which is that, you know, that fourth trimester, they are designed to wake up. They're designed to wake up and ask for food because they don't know that it's not just going to show up, right? Like it did when you were, when you were pregnant. Um, so I always tell people is that the first, uh, the first three months is going to be just a hot mess. It's going to be a shit show hundred percent. Just when you think you have it down, the shit changes, right? (laughs) And it becomes more manageable. So I've been telling people, put on your refrigerator, just the word manageable. (laughs) It becomes more manageable by month four. So once you have moved past those three months, now it's like a manageable, we got this. Okay, we can survive. Right? Yeah. I would
0: say month four, probably uh, there was a little bit... Uh,
1: you know, actually
0: uh, I think month eight.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. Then, okay. So, (laughs) well, yeah, again, there's manageable and then things aren't really normal if, uh, or even a a nice feeling of the new normal until like 12 months. Like it's, the baby's a year. All right. Wait, 18 months. What? (laughs) (laughs) Still, you know, you're never going to be 25 and single again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But, um, yeah. So, um, but, but I think that, uh, you know, and for me, my, uh, my, you know, third trimester or fourth trimester was, I mean, I personally, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. I didn't have any family around. Uh, My partner was the worst. I mean, I'm telling you, (laughs) I had to go to bars to drag him out in the middle of the night. Like I could tell you horror stories. So like not, had no support, no partnership. I'm trying to be the best mom I can be, you know, like every mom. Um, And uh, you combine in like, yeah, you're, my God, my body looks so weird. And what's the skin dripping here and the breastfeeding and, it's hard, man. It's hard to it keep me keep this person alive. So,
0: and speaking of breastfeeding, keeping baby alive, <laughs> there is definitely a world we live in where there are people on one side of a fence or the other as as it relates to feeding your child. Oh, sure, of course. Well, maybe not. Maybe there's, you know, it's a <laughs> multi-layered fence here, but um <laughs> there's people that believe breastfed camp. There's people that believe just fed baby is. Yeah. Fed is best versus breast is best. Right. Right. Or people that just sort of believe that formula is the way to go. Yeah. What I liked as a takeaway from your class. And I don't know if this is specific to Bradley method or if this was just specific to you, but you really tried to advocate to say fed is best. Mm-hmm. Do not put that pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Whatever direction you end up going, mm-hmm. your fed baby is the best baby.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do I believe that um, almost every woman on the planet, you know, can breastfeed if she has the right support? I actually kind of do. I could be 100% wrong in there, but I, that's just my personal belief. But I know, I mean, I'm realistic because I know people, I know humans, and I know people's resources. And most people don't have all the support that it takes to make it work because breastfeeding is not straightforward. You know, you've got two humans trying to make something happen here that you've neither of you ever done before. You know, and you're sleep deprived, you know, (laughs) and you're dealing with everything we just talked about. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I really try to encourage people to build their their support system and that includes La Leche League. I hope that I hammer that home a lot. It's a free, you know, support system that you can access. Talk about Um, that
0: a little bit if an audience member is unfamiliar with the Leche Leche League.
1: League is an international organization. Um it's all over the 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 world. Um almost every community hopefully will have a La Leche League um chapter in their town. And it's um the, the individual chapters are led by a volunteer who has breastfed herself or himself. I haven't, I haven't heard of that yet, but I'm sure it's coming because <laughs> there's chest fed as well, right? Um, and um, so but that person yeah, is there just as a volunteer and a support person has been through the journey and um, respects it and um, has built a community of people that she, can, she or he can draw from. And, um, it's, uh, you show up once a month, typically you just show up, it's free. You sit down. There's other parents that are there that are breastfeeding and they've either already been through it and you got a mom who's still there breastfeeding her eight, eight year old, who knows? You got a mom who's breastfeeding her brand new baby, you know, and she's in tears and, uh, you know, you can just see the real situation of, okay, I'm not the only person that finds this to be difficult because
0: Wait, what is chest fed? Oh, chest fed. Yeah, what is that? Uh, So you have
2: people, right. It's a guy guy with a sling. (laughs)
1: No, No, you can can have people who maybe they're transgender. You have, you know, people, I mean, everyone can start lactating. Um, And, you know, maybe you've got, uh, you know, I have, yeah, just, you you know, we have to remember that there's all kinds of humans, you know, and someone may present on the outside as Uh male, but he has a a uterus because he was human Female gotcha. when at delivery, right?
0: Amazing. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It doesn't
1: have uh, breasts and the capacity that we know them with a woman anymore, and can can lactate and chest feed, right? Because they don't they don't relate to breasts because they relate as as a male, right? But still gave birth or gotcha. didn't give birth, and the partner gave birth, and now they're gonna chest feed because they can relactate or they can lactate. Yeah, mm. just keeping that open because everybody's you know everybody wants a baby. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so La Leche League, what I like about it is not funded by anybody, so they're not obligated to anybody. They're just for you, right? I mean, I, I like to promote La Leche League um, in Southern California, and I've had the leaders say, hey, we wish we could promote your class, but we can't. Hey, I am totally about that because you should be completely unbiased, you know, and just be there to, to help the, the families. So, and then there's lactation consultants that you can hire and, oh my God, there's so many resources now that we didn't have. So we ended up changing pediatricians, but the
0: first pediatrician's office that we did go with, one of the pediatricians was a lactation consultant. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So you could have a pediatrician that's a lactation consultant yeah, and you can also have individual lactation consultants who will offer consultations to your home. Which is a dream. Yes. Oh Yeah. Yeah. If you're a brand new parent, you don't necessarily <sighs> want to leave your house.
1: Not at all. And, and I do. I feel pretty strongly about that too. Um, I think everyone needs, like I said, everyone needs support, right? Part of the support system is lactation consultant. Them coming to your house, um, not only do not not want to leave the house with a brand new baby, it's just complicated. But if, you, if they come to your house, they can wait till the baby's ready to feed right rather than manipulating and saying okay it's you're here for your appointment it's time for you to feed and you're also in your environment so they can see what are you sitting on just that like what are you sitting on what are you supporting your body with that can affect your your baby's latch and you can't replicate that if you go to a clinic you know and sit down in their fancy little chair that's perfectly designed for
0: Yeah, ergonomic breastfeeding chair. Exactly. (laughs) Excuse me, can I get that delivered to my house?
1: Bobby Bobby the chair. And let me take it with me to the mall (laughs) and everywhere else I go. That's the other thing. It's like you got to learn how to breastfeed just anywhere.
0: So having support, big major takeaway. Is there any other key takeaway for the audience?
1: So I think the key takeaway is do your research, which should be easy now. You know, be able to find different resources as far as education. Okay. And then pick, pick that camp and stick with it. You know, uh, so again, if you, if you're looking for childbirth education and you look over these different, you know, methods, find one, and then that one will guide you on things with regards to breastfeeding and, um, sleep training or not. Um, so is that kind of what we're, is there
0: like a universal website where someone could go, not necessarily Bradley, but just a universal site where if somebody's looking for all of these options.
1: I always tell everyone, like bradleybirth.com is like, that's where you start with Bradley. And then, like I say, Bradley goes over all the, and and should, your Bradley teacher should be giving you resources for lactation and all of this. But yeah, my, my, my main thing is, Find something and stick with it, because you will ins- go insane. I'm not saying, like, don't, don't, don't be traveling on the path and realize, hey, this is a cult, you know, <laughs> and, and stick with it. <laughs> you know, clearly, you know, continue to use your analytical thinking. Um, but, you know, if you veer off the path and you're like, oh, but this one says this, and this one says this, wow, you could wind up way out in left field, be totally confused and frustrated. Um, you know, I'm really blessed in that I had my mom. Like my mom was like, she really is respectful and, and just gave me a lot of information and said to me, I'm not going to, you know, Hey, have you taken your Bradley class versus don't forget that you have to eat this and do that. And she didn't tell me all the things she just, she sort of gave me, Hey, check this out. Hey, here's this book. You know, I do think people should still read books.
0: I love, I love reading books, which (laughs) does bring me to a question as well (laughs) about favorite parenting resource favorite non-parenting resource could Uh, be book mm -hmm. show Mm -hmm. netflix special Mm -hmm. podcast
1: i love the no cry sleep solution it's a it's a a book that you can't start reading hoping that there's going to be like a definitive answer she encourages you to think and to think with your child and to really look at your child and understand your child. Every child's different, right? And she really encourages that. I, that's amazing. So I love the No Cry Sleep Solution. And I um, really like any parent. I do like parenting classes. I don't think people will take enough parenting classes. And part of that could be because in my environment is that there is not a lot of parenting classes around. And I'm hoping to actually start some of those. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, that would be uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So when I uh, was, when I, when Cressida, the, my first one was young, um, I took something called, it was called Discipline Without Damage back then. But everyone has like this visceral reaction to like the word discipline. Oh, mm. people think, you know, punishment, corporal, you know, spanking. No, no, no. Discipline is literally discipline. Like I'm going to put my dish in the sink when I'm done with it, right? I have the discipline to do that. Mm. <laughs> and then without damaging your child. So without, um, you know, beca- being careful how you speak, to them um, and so I'm hoping to bring that here it's now called something else and I forget it's just terrible they've changed the name um, we can link it in the show notes. yeah okay good yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and um, it I, just how you talk to your children is so important you know and we I think we all know like the more I if the more I practice I have in speaking to you in a positive way the more of a positive person that I become. You know, and um, we all could use practice in that. Well, and
0: as we were talking <laughs> about this before, the example that we set is through our actions.
1: Oh yeah. So it's yeah. not so
0: much do as I say, it's do as I do. Do as I,
1: And that and let me tell you what you guys, so my oldest is twenty one. they will do what you do, and as much as I have tried to say, Look, uh, <laughs> I know that I did that, <laughs> and I shouldn't have. They don't care. They just see what you consistently do. And we talked about screen time, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, put your phones down, man. Put your phones and 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 when you, I guess maybe when you say what's what's a good resource? There's just so many. Um, I do. You mentioned NPR. I, I'm still a big NPR fan myself. I remember my parents and I used. My dad would drive us to school in the morning and listen to NPR, and he used to be pissed about that. Dude, can we turn off the right. NPR and he's still like, "Oh, did you listen to Fresh Air?" I'm like, "Oh my god," but it is still good. <laughs> I feel know? like it holds up
0: all these it years does. later. It's nice,
1: good, non-biased. You know, just like whole information. They give resources and yeah.
0: If someone is listening to this and they think maybe I want to hire a doula, mm-hmm. where should they begin their search if oh, they're yeah. interested?
1: There are different certifying organizations like DONA, that's D-O-N-A, there's CAPPA, C-A-P-P-A. B-A-D-T keeps coming to mind. Um, and I forget what that acronym is for, but it's fantastic. Um, she, her name's Sabia and she's in San Diego and she's training um, doulas. So I think honestly, Google's just, or whatever your search engine is, is still the thing. You know, just Google doula and fall down that rabbit hole, man. You know, get a good list and then just start interviewing. Um, but Dona is a pretty major organization. I'm not telling you that's my favorite organization. In fact, it's just not. Um, (laughs) so, um, but you're again, a childbirth educator should have a list of local doulas and then just interview them and get to know them and ask some good, you know, hard questions and really pick someone that aligns with, you know, what you're kind of thinking initially and just see if they can educate you too. You know, they shouldn't be passive. They should be willing to. Help you like challenge what you're thinking.
0: So, as a doula and birth educator, where can people find you?
1: Me, I'm at yournaturalbirth.net. So pretty simple, just your natural birth. <laughs> and then on Instagram. And then Instagram, same thing at your natural birth, and uh, even Facebook, your natural birth. You got a TikTok yet? I'm trying to do TikTok. My daughter's all over TikTok, and I'm like, you got to show me how to do this because it's awesome. <laughs> Gentle birth is on TikTok. She's doing all kinds of great mm-hmm. stuff on there. Um, but yeah, and I have—I'm really bad at like I got to be better about not answering people's questions online. But I'm—I'm I'm guilty of it. So if you have any questions, yeah, you can shoot, shoot them you on should, over. She can shoot them over. Blow up, blow up Leah's <laughs> and inbox. So I'm pretty—I'm pretty good with my DMs on Instagram. It's bad. It's bad. Speaking of setting bad examples for your kids, <laughs> Leah's ready
0: for you to slide into her DMs. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Awesome. Well, Leah, thank you so much. We appreciate it having me. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's exciting that you're doing this.
0: Yes, and uh, we will definitely have you back for another episode. We can talk all about fourth trimester and absolutely. Yeah, leading by example. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. (laughs) right. Well, thank you. Thank you you guys. All right. Peace. Hey there, vibe high babes. If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're feeling really generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to elevate the vibe.